it's not going to help. Welcome to episode 88 of RSVP, the podcast about stationery and so much more. I'm your host, Les, and my co-host is Dade. We're talking about making time for the things we enjoy, but first, let's talk about what we're consuming. What are you consuming and excited about this week, Dade? Well, I just finished a cold brew, actually a salted caramel cold foam cold brew from Starbucks. Um, it's the first day of spring. That's when we're recording. And the weather is going to be in the 60s or is in the – actually, no, I don't know if it's – no, it's 55 right now. But still, it's warmer than usual. Um, and so I just felt like a cold brew this morning. So, And I'm also consuming water. Um, so what am I excited about? Well, it's kind of a wonky time of year for me because I'm nearing the end of my first year of my graduate program. So I get the whole month of May off, which is great because my program's 11 months out of the year. So May is kind of like my summer vacation um, because then come June, it's classes for three months. So I'm looking forward to May. Um, I got about a month left in my field placement. And that's kind of complicated because, you know, termination and <laughs> saying goodbye to the kiddos is really like, <clears throat> and it's, it's a task um, to say the least. So, um, but in May, I will be fully vaccinated by then. Um, I just got an appointment for my first dose next week. And so I really just want to do some sort of retreat by myself. I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't know where I'm going to go. I don't know how long I'm going to go for. But I really need some clarity and some time and some space for myself. You know, for a lot of reasons. I think a year's worth of a pandemic is good enough a reason. Um, but also yep. just, <laughs> yeah. Um, just the amount of stress from going to school and working. Um, you know, I just definitely feel like I, um, I need that time to recharge and I, I'm an independent person and I enjoy being alone just because we're in a pandemic. Um, and so when you're stuck in the house, um, you feel kind of closed in. And so I don't know, I'll do some research, but, uh, I'm looking forward to that. Um, I also am, my wife and I are kind of putting our final like thoughts into what we're going to be planting this year for our veggie garden. Um, definitely, peppers lots of peppers um sweet yes and some tomatoes because gina made a really good tomato sauce last year so and gina wants to plant zucchini because she loves zucchini bread and makes a really good zucchini bread um so we're kind of sorting that out actually this weekend and we'll just buy the stuff because we are in zone six i believe yep um which means a lot of the stuff um if you haven't started it inside already it's it's right around the corner Yep. Um, and being that we only have weekends to work on stuff, um, you know, it's going to take us a bit to turn over the, the raised beds and to clean up and, and do all that. So um, I'm looking forward to that. Um, I also um, have been sorting out the process of getting back into blogging on a more consistent basis. And this is something I've been thinking about for quite a while. Um, because I miss it for many reasons. I miss it because I like writing. Um, but I also miss it because I liked interacting with people that read my stuff. Uh, and I, I liked the process that went into writing blog posts. Um, especially if I was like reviewing something, like it really forced me to kind of like take my time with things and really like be mindful about the way that I'm using them. So, you know, I've been blogging since 2015. Um, the Weekly Pencil was started back then. And so just really kind of reflecting on the past five, six years of that. Um, like what my motivations are, what I want to do. Um, and I really, I really struggle with accountability and I really struggle with the staying motivated. And so I was kind of toying with the idea of starting a Ko-Fi page, like you have, Les. 
Mm-hmm. Um, because I want to create more content. Um, and I also want, I, I, I guess what I'm envisioning is creating my content, but also having a community around that content. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And so just like we do with the podcast, kind of sometimes crowdsourcing, like, Hey, what would, what would all of you like to hear about? Or, you know, what do you think, you know, do you have any, what would you like me to look at next? Or, you know, stuff like that. And also just setting up, I, I really like how Ko-Fi allows you to have like a shop as well. Yep. Because uh, eBay seems to be the only game in town for like selling things to reach like a larger audience. And I don't want to do Etsy because I have, it's, it's a, for a different show, I guess, but uh, I have my own thoughts about Etsy lately. Um, so, you know, I have, I went through my office and I have so many pencils that I want to, um, you know, get rid of is the wrong word, but like, <laughs> I'm not using share, them. share, right. you know? And so like, I had started to put together like really cool little pencil packs and thinking of a way, you know, sure, I could like make a Facebook post and like list it all there. But I really like how integrated the Ko-Fi like store page is and mm-hmm. the fact that they don't take any fees if you pay for their very small monthly, I think, what is it, $6? Yeah, it's something like that. And then like I have Ko-Fi Gold mm-hmm. um, and so – it's even cheaper if you pay for a whole year up front and they don't, don't take any, even from like donations or like right. when people buy you a coffee, they don't take any fee from that. Right. Um, you know, you can always donate to them. Um, sure, so they, sure. that, that crowdfunding that they offer for you, they also use that. Sure. Um, and so it's a very reasonable fee. I think I paid like $45 for Kofi yeah. Gold. Yeah. Um, and you know, the fact that I can build my store and use that to share things like useful journaling and my pencil sharpeners with people, it just really makes it worth it. Sure. Um, and you know, it, I, I need to kind of explore some of the options on there for, in terms of accountability for the blog and for my writing, um, and offer some exclusive content for people who, who support me. Um, but, right. uh, that's something too. I, and I, I think I agree with you. I think that we could do an entire uh, episode about Etsy, Kofi, Patreon, um, and kind of explore like the setting up of that. So, uh, maybe we can, yeah. maybe we can, um, sure. I'm trying to think of like the, um, right terminology. I was going to say, let's put a pit on that or let's table that, <laughs> um, just to use the buzzwords, <laughs> right, um, right. until we can kind of flesh out that conversation and explore it. Sure. No, definitely. Because, you know, for me, I'm just thinking of like, I'm thinking of more unique ways to really have a relationship with my audience because I've had people message me in the past or like, you know, send me an email through my blog of like, you know, how do I support you? Do you have a support page? And I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, kind of sheepish, sheepishly like, no, like, and you know, at the end of the day, like, yes, this is, is a hobby, but I've had a lot of complicated feelings lately about doing labor, um, performing something and not getting compensated. Um, and it's very valiant to say, well, I really love the feedback and, and I do, or I really love sharing information with people. Um, but I think for me, at least with my blog, sometimes I've stepped away because it's, I, I don't want to be a career blogger. That's not my career goal. Yeah. Um, but it just sometimes gets really depressing mm-hmm. to create stuff and then, um, you're not getting anything for it. And, and let's be real money, money's money. Um, and when I blog, like everything, I, I think Baron Fig was the only one that was sending me free stuff at one point. I buy all that stuff myself and I pay for my hosting myself. And I think for me, that was generally fine. I wouldn't do it, but it just, I don't know. It it fell into a different category in my brain. And I think it happened after I didn't post the the comment because my comments are moderated, but someone had said something They were like really kind of critical about some things. And it was, it was like, you know, something about spending enough time with something before writing about it. And I'm like, this is not my job. Like, 
And so I guess it just kind of, it was a cumulative kind of, I'm trying to think of the right words here. It, it was kind of this accumulative disillusionment. Yeah. Like it just added up. Um, and I also have complicated feelings about any content creator that does things for nothing. Um, and it, it's, it's this weird thing. It's like when you see people say, Oh, Hey, we need a new logo. We're calling all artists, submit your logos and, and we'll pick the best one and we'll feature you on our page. Like that's not how art works. Like you're asking people to create something with their own time and skill and then not paying them for that. Yeah. Um, we'll pay you an exposure. Right. No. Right. You know, and yeah, I don't know that, that, that kind of went somewhere weird, but I'm um, don't edit it out. <laughs> Leave this in here. It's important. It's important. Cause well, I, want, I, I, I think it's a seed for, for what is a full episode. So, you know, the whole idea of talking about, uh, Kofi and Etsy, eBay, and and then add into that the crowdfunding aspect of things. I think uh, plus the idea of exposure, doing things for free, hobbies, work, sure. all sure. of that. That's that's a seed for a whole individual episode, in my opinion. And I think that it's something that we we could spend hours talking about because there's a lot to it. There's a ton mm-hmm. to it. No, for sure, and. Like I said, it's not about me wanting to turn the weekly pencil into the pen addict size crowd. It'd be nice to break even. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think that that for me um, is where I'm at mentally with a lot of things. Um, But circling back, that accountability piece is really, you know, something else that's important to me. Um, Because it makes me sad that I've kind of, you know, neglected my blog over this past year. Mm. So. So Les, how about you? What's exciting in your world? <laughs> um, so, you know, there's a lot going on and a lot of it kind of overlaps with what you're talking about. I'm so excited for spring. Um, spring is coming up. It was, I think, 59 degrees out here. Huh. Um, you're zone 6A or mm-hmm. no, you're 6, 6B out there and I'm 6A here on the coast. We're a little more temperate or mild than you are in sure. terms of like our temperatures. Um, so yeah, we get a little warmer than you do a little more quickly. Um, and I have been, uh, recycling, <laughs> um, scraps. Uh, I belong to a couple of recycling groups and a bunch of people are always posting up about like tent, tent poles and stakes and things like that. And I go and gather them up so that I can make high and low tunnels and um, all kinds of stuff for my raised beds. So I'm super excited about that. Um, I'm getting really stoked for gardening. Um, unlike you, I've got all of my seeds purchased. I made plans. I have a spreadsheet. This is how nerdy I am about gardening. I have a spreadsheet of all of my <laughs> seeds because I, and it's in Google Docs and I put it in Google Docs because I kept going and looking at seed racks. I go to Ocean State, um, which is for anyone who doesn't live on in like Massachusetts, Rhode Island and Maine. I think New Hampshire, they have them as well. Uh, Ocean State Job Law is this kind of like weird little – it's a weird store. It's It's not like Martin's where it's like reclaimed stuff. Like some of the stuff is – purchase specifically for sale some of it is like they buy a lot of stuff mm-hmm. um so anyway uh it's kind of a it's kind of a neat little store and I, so i find myself going in there and and staring at the seed rack and buying seeds for things that i already have um so i made a spreadsheet and when my seeds came in i plugged them into my spreadsheet so that i could open it up on my phone and make sure i'm not doing a double purchase um and i have all of my pepper seeds already started um, I posted a picture today, um, which will be a couple weeks old for everyone in the, in the show or listening to the show of a fish pepper, which is a historically significant pepper plant from Baltimore. And they are beautiful. They have, um, white and green variegated leaves and they are just the most beautiful plant. 
I, in terms of peppers, they're a very beautiful little pepper plant. Um, and I get totally nerdy from them. And one of the seeds that I planted this year, I didn't have a lot of the seeds. I got them as a gift from someone on a uh, gardening forum. I have one plant with the most perfect selection of variegation ever. It is so beautiful. So anyway, I posted a picture of that to my Instagram. I'm really excited about it. Um, I'm ordering soil for the first time. Um, and thanks to my stimulus check, I am ordering yards of soil, um, to put into my raised beds. And it's so much cheaper to do it that way. I'm astounded at how much cheaper it is and how much I've been paying the poor tax on buying bags of soil over, over having it delivered. So that's kind of cool. I'm also building more raised beds. Um, Chris and I sat down and had a discussion where I was like, I would like to turn the entire back half of the backyard into garden so she's she's on board with it so um i'm doing a ton of raised beds this year going whole hog on it um i'm doing more pepper plants i have 200 seedlings i only have room for about a little over half of that so i'm, I'm giving away a bunch of seedlings i actually <laughs> the interns you'll laugh at this <laughs> date i was i basically forced the interns to take pepper plants um <laughs> One of them actually has space to do, to do the planting. So that, that's actually pretty cool. She's super excited about growing, um, ghost peppers. So mm-hmm. she likes spicy food. The other intern was like, I only have a windowsill. It's like, you can, you, you can grow peppers. I've been growing ha- jalapenos in my office for two years. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> of course, uh, I'm, I'm basically giving away plants at this point because I always start too many. Um, and now I've got to make room for my tomato seedlings because it's time to start. Those are all started. Anyway, so yeah, super excited about gardening and seeds, soil, raised beds, all of that stuff. Um, I'm continuing to use the Dom's Fusion. I just, I love this pencil. The triangular shape is, is nice and rounded and it's not really narrow. You know how some triangular pencils, like when you hold them, Mm-hmm. They're really narrow. This one yeah. feels like a normal pencil size to me. Um, like I, I always found that with some triangular pencils, rather than ha- letting it improve my grip, I was holding it on the points instead of on the flats. Mm-hmm. This one, I don't do that. I hold it on the flats. So it's actually really, really comfortable. And the extra super dark uh, lead inside is so smooth. It's fantastic. Um I've also been doing a ton of research for my next series of useful journaling. Um, I've got two more issues in my current series, which is basically the way I'm looking at this first series of useful journaling is it's sort of an introduction to journaling. Here are all kinds of different types of journaling you can do. And each, each issue has a sort of a bundle of different types that are related. Um, so I've got two more of those. And then my next series is basically taking journaling and taking it deeper. So looking at values journaling, looking at what kind of questions do you ask yourself to take what you've written in your journal or the art that you've created in your journal? And how do you take it deeper? How do you make more meaning out of your journal? Um, so that's, that's going to be the next series. And I have been reading a lot of stuff about mindsets, um, the neuro neurology and neuroplasticity of what happens when you journal. Mm-hmm. There's a ton of research out there in terms of like changing your mindset, thinking about how, what happens in your brain, um, around depression and anxiety and how journaling can assist you in, moving forward with your, your mental health. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking at how I straddle the line of it being a self-help zine and including lots of facts in it. Um, so, you know, uh, which is what the whole reason I went to grad school in the first place was because I was doing all of these, um, classes on art journaling and people were using it as an adjunct to the therapy. Mm Mm-hmm. And I wanted to help bridge that gap. So I'm looking at the next series as sort of the beginning stages of me actually learning how to bridge that gap. Um, and, you know, a lot of people write 
um, how to books on how do you use this and that in terms of your mental health, but also I don't want useful journaling to become a mental health zine. That's not what it's about. I mean, it is because of, you know, the fact of the matter is any sort of journaling is good for your mental health. Right. Um, but I also want to look at it in terms of adding meaning and layers of meaning to your life. Um, but anyway, that's my, my philosophy on useful journaling and, um, that's a whole other show. <laughs> so yes. Yes. I'll, uh, let that go there. Um, but also using, um, kind of going off your Kofi commentary. I find Kofi really, really helpful in terms of how people comment and interact with the blog. Um, it, it gives me some insight as to how my reviews help people. So like there's, I did a review of something that sucked. Um, and I used Ko-Fi funds to pay for that thing that was terrible. And I was like, you know, I kind of feel bad that I spent your money on mm-hmm. this piece of garbage. And, <laughs> right. um, I got a comment from someone basically saying like, no, this is why we, we, we give you, like we buy you Kofi. Sure. Um, because when you do that, you spend the $12 on the product that sucks and then you tell us it sucks. So we don't have to go through that. Um, so there's added, you know, added value for the people there. Um, so that's, that's a big part of it is that there's more commentary, mm-hmm. um, than without Kofi. The other thing, so we've kind of talked about how I shut my brain off after work. Um, mm-hmm. I used to have like a process where like the drive home, listening to podcasts and all of that, which changed because now I work for four miles from home and I'm home in 15 minutes. Right. Um, I use TV to shut my brain off. There is, you know, it just really kind of stops everything cold, which I find fascinating. I know some people like get really into TV shows. And I think on my first watch, I'm attentive to it. But one of the things that's really, really great about TV is that if I watch something a second time, I can pick up additional meaning, but also I am no longer actively thinking. Um, so, so we, we, um, we also, you know, we're cord cutters. We don't, we don't have cable. We just have internet in the house. So, uh, we were, we, we had Netflix, um, and we just let it go. We keep Netflix for three months and then get rid of it. Um, I was looking for Lost Girl, which I've talked about in the show before. It's kind of a, it's like Buffy without the baggage is how I've been describing it. Um, it's overtly queer. Um, it's just kind of corny and fun and over the top and campy. Um, and it's kind of sexy, um, but also overtly queer. So sexy in the way that I like it. Um, and so finally, like I, there was an announcement by one of the actors in the show that it's now on CW seed, which is a free app that anyone can download. Um, and I'm, I feel like I'm kind of like an ad lately for, for this thing. Um, but like, I, it's great because I could just like, there are a bunch of things on there that are a little older that maybe I've seen before and I just hit play and it's great for background noise in the house and I'm not super attentive to it except for Lost Girl. I'm very attentive to that show. And, um, so I'm like kind of metering it out a little bit at a time. So anyway, CW Seed has Lost Girl. Anyone who likes LGBT TV should go and check it out. Um, and so that's it. That's, that's all I'm excited about, uh, for this episode. I'm sure there's more, but, um, anyway, um, (laughs) are you ready for our main topic date? Oh, I am so ready. All right. So one of the things that you had posited as a show topic was making time for doing the things we love or enjoy. And how do we make time, find time and actually do the things that we enjoy? Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to throw it to you first. What are some of the things that you do to make time for the things you love and enjoy? Right. Um, so part of the reason I wanted to do this topic was because I have trouble. So I was going to use this, uh, episode as a way to help me make time for the things that I enjoy. But there are some things that have been helpful more recently. Um, and I think 
three things came to mind when I was thinking about this show topic all week. And the first one is actually scheduling time to do my hobbies. And so like you last, like after work, I need my brain to be shut off. Um, and I'm not a TV person. I am a gamer. And so I play games. It's a way for me not just to turn my brain off, but that is where my social circles are. And so I can socialize as well. So I liken it to going out after work for a drink. Um, you know, you can kind of enjoy the scenery and also socialize with people. And so scheduling that time, um, really is helpful because I don't know about you, Les, but like sometimes for me, when I am engaging in something I enjoy doing, when you engage with it a little bit, what you feel like is too long, then there's like this guilt or shame around it. Like, yeah, yeah. Like I spent, oh man, I spent like five hours playing video games. Like I accomplished nothing. Uh, like I feel mm-hmm. so bad. And so, you know, if I say to myself, you know, um, every night after, you know, my dinner and after I do whatever it is that I want to do around the house, I have till the rest of the night till I'm tired to play video games. And so that guilt and that shame doesn't really kind of bubble up. Um, also for weekends, same type of thing. Um, you know, I, weekends are my time where I do like the boring adult grown up things. Like it's when we do laundry. It's when I, you know, like clean the house or clean the bathroom and stuff like that. And so, Making sure that I schedule time to participate in something fun makes it so my whole weekend isn't consumed by things that are not fun. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. So that's kind of one of the first things. And this, this whole scheduling thing right now is, is kind of <clears throat> not as relevant as it will be in the summer when I am in school, because those days I won't be working and I won't be at a field placement, which is like work. Um, but I will be doing schoolwork. And so my days are not structured other than when I have to be in class. And so that's where the scheduling really kind of comes into play because I have to schedule everything. Otherwise I won't do anything. Um, and the second thing that I do to kind of make time is to prioritize my needs. And so, you know, I think about what it is I need. And so I'll give you a working example. Um, this week was a pretty rough week just with my field placement with um, I had a really busy day at work. So I basically what I do is I have my field placement and then on certain days of the week, I flip right over to the work I do at the college at the writing center. And because this is all virtual, it's not like I have space to think in my car ride over there. It's literally just like logging onto zoom. Like that's my commute. And so, yeah. and it was just back to back you know, students. And I don't mind that. I love my job, but I was like done. Um, and I thought about what I needed at the end of the day. Um, and you know, I wanted to play video games. I wanted to, um, you know, organize something in our second bedroom where I have like my gaming stuff. But in that moment I really needed just to lay down. Like I, I really just needed that. Um, and so I'm finding if I prioritize, if I stop and think what it is I need in a particular moment, it allows me to kind of make a decision that I don't feel bad about later. Mm, yeah. Um, because one negative pattern in my life is I feel like I don't have enough time to do the things I like to do. So I kind of just do them and then I'm getting four hours of sleep a night and then I'm wondering why I'm tired. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's one thing. And then also, and I think you're going to mention this a little bit in a certain way, a little bit later when you go like, like multitasking for me is a thing. And so that allows me to kind of, um, have time to do the things that I enjoy throughout my day. And so for example, um, every week there is a meeting that I have to attend but it is a meeting that I am never obligated to participate in. Um, it's more of just like, it's like a conference call type meeting. You know what I mean? Where like you have to kind of hear what's going on, but like it's not an active kind of meeting. And so during that time, I may turn my camera off and, and organize my office or, you know, do some cleaning or, you know, 
play a passive type video game. Um, and that brings down my stress level that will rise up again during the day. So it's like figuring out a way or, or building in breaks. And so like, you know, say I have a, a Saturday where, you know, I have schoolwork to do. I got to really clean some things around the house. Um, it's like making sure that I have breaks between the bad stuff that I don't want to do, which is schoolwork and cleaning um, and sprinkling in like, you know, catching up on that YouTube series that I watch or, you know, logging into the game for a little bit. So multitasking is good because I'm also the type of person that likes variety. Like I get bored very easily. And yeah, I, same. I, yeah, I find myself actually flitting around to different things to the point where actually, and this is a whole other show, I feel like, and I think I made a comment on it on one of the threads in RSVP about having so many hobbies that it oh, gets yeah. overwhelming. <laughs> and so I don't know if this is just, it's, it's very hard when you're in the middle of social work school to not pathologize everything. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> so it's like, what's going on here? Because what happens is I get really hyper-focused on something and I will be on that for a couple weeks and I will collect all the things. I will watch all the videos. I'll get super pumped about everything. And then when that starts to fade, I'm kind of down for a little bit and then I need to find something else. And then, you know, years later, I'm surrounded by all these awesome things that I don't have time to do. And so that's part of me wanting to kind of like spend that time in May to really sort my stuff out and figure it is, figure out what it is I need and want and prioritize that. Because it's not like I collect things that are knickknacks. I collect things that are to be used. And when I'm not using them, that's like just having piles of money around that I could have spent on something that was more enriching or I could have saved or, you know what I mean? And so, yeah. It, I don't know if I'm after the thrill of, I mean, I think we all love the enjoyment of finding something new and like getting mm. excited about it. Is it just that, you know, we're in this bleak time of like, I haven't left the house in a year, it feels like. So I'm just trying to um, get those endorphins and, and my dopamine flowing. I don't know, but um, really kind of something that I've been thinking about, you know, recently with this topic. And finally, Accountability, um, realizing that there's no perfect way to do things, um, and also learning when life happens and there aren't time, there isn't time to make time to do things we enjoy and being okay with that. So yeah. those are my like back of the envelope kind of thoughts. Um, <laughs> I've written them actually on half of a piece of legal pad. Ah. I, I'm trying to be better about throwing away paper. Mm -hmm. And so like if I have to throw away a sheet of paper, but there's still some left, I just rip it off and have a scrap pile. Mm -hmm. But yes, so that is, that, that are my notes. I'm sure, you know, we can elaborate as we go on, but yeah, we'll have more. We'll have more. Um, so for me, uh, I'm, big, big, big part. Cause like you, I have 9 million hobbies and sometimes I have to stop myself from delving deeper into a new hobby because I, I like to say I'm a magpie of hobby, hobbies. Um, if I, there's something new and shiny, I want to learn how to do it and we'll spend the time to learn how, how to do it. And, you know, if I get good at it, then I might continue it. If I don't get good at it, then it's wasted time. Um, it's not really wasted time. You know, learning things is always important. Um, but picking and choosing, um, and that is sort of like thinking about what do I want to do? What's important to me in this moment and what do, what makes it important to me in this moment? Is it, is it, and I'm sorry to use the buzzwordy clickbaity self-care. Is there something that's self-care about it? Like, yeah, you know what? Sitting down after work, um, after, after we eat or sometimes while we eat and watching an episode or two of a TV show, which feels an awful lot like wasted time to me, um, is sometimes self-care because I have to shut, shut my brain off. You know, the work 
that I do, the work that you do is mentally taxing. It's not easy work. As much as I love my job, it is not easy work. And sometimes it, it comes home with me. Um, and I need to shut my brain off. I need to let it go. And TV is the tool that I use a lot of the time. Sometimes it's reading. Sometimes it's reading a super trashy romance novel, you know, and sometimes it's picking what is working in the moment. And I found towards the end of the pandemic that reading didn't work very well for me because it didn't shut my brain off. And, but yet TV, it, <laughs> nine times out of 10, shuts my brain off. Um, so in terms of picking and choosing, so I look at what is important to me in this very moment. Are there things that are time like plants or seasonal things like, um, putting the plastic on the windows in the fall for the winter, um, taking the plastic down, cleaning off the air conditioner, turning over the garden, all of those things, um, are important. Like if I don't water my plants every other day, they're going to die. And you know, I was like, just as you were talking, I was kind of calculating how much money do I have actually tied up in my pepper plants? Dude, it's a lot. Um, there's a lot of money in terms of like potting soil, the seeds themselves, plus the time and energy that I've taken to grow those seedlings. So I don't want them to die. So sometimes giving myself a little guilt trip there um, helps me maintain things. Um, but then it's like thinking about where do I plug these things in that are important to me. Um, so like I thought about the fact that sometimes I get up early. Um, you know, I might, I might set my alarm a half hour earlier or even an hour early to do writing, to do research for useful journaling or, um, you know, writing, especially for the blog. I do a lot of that in the morning and I think, you know, I make my cup of coffee. I sit down, kind of look at the things that I want to write about. I have a bullet journal page that is just a list of the things that I want to write about. Um, research is something that I do in the morning. You know, I might be spending the two hours before I leave for work, um, drinking my coffee and looking at different web pages, looking at books that I need to read. Um, I don't usually read books in the morning. Um, I read in the evening and my, my brain doesn't focus well on the written word on a page, uh, in the morning. And sometimes I, um, I read, do research, and I write on my lunch break, mostly reading and research. Um, you know, I don't get a full hour lunch break anymore. I get about 45 minutes, if that, um, depending on what I'm doing for lunch that day. But reading is a good way to kind of like shift gears, um, and especially when it's research-based. Um, and I don't – I find myself kind of doing outlines and things during my lunch break because I think that's a, a – uses that – area of the brain that's a little less creative, but is, um, kind of thinking about structure and whatnot. And then there's also the time after work. Um, one of the great things about working closer to home is that I'm no longer tied up in a commute for an hour before work and after work. So that hour, those two hours a day is just extra time that I get to, you know, put into the things that I pick and choose that are important to me. So I like over, well, before the pandemic, before I was stuck at home most of the time, um, I started using that for gardening where I hadn't had the time to garden beforehand um, and, and using that extra hour to go out and, you know, make sure that the rabbits aren't getting into the garden, um, making sure that things aren't eating it um, is important. Um, and then one of the things that we kind of, kind of talked about was before the show was that I started thinking about the flow of things around the house. And this, this came up because one of the things that I did in my previous job was look at the flow of work at various places. And so I would go into a not very good, well functioning, uh, HR department and kind of look at the flow of work. And look at what wasn't working well and what was working well. And then helping that person fix the flow so that they were accomplishing the tasks that they needed to throughout the day. And I took that concept and I applied it to the house and, and to to the errands and chores that I needed to complete. And the whole idea of looking at the flow of the chores and errands around the house is to make time for the other things that are important to me in the moment. So I used to look at the... Um, I took a look at how I was doing the laundry. I 
you know, we, we had lived in a place with a laundromat for years and years and years. Um, we didn't live in an apartment with a washer dryer, uh, for a really long time. And now we live in a house with a washer dryer. And, you know, that's a huge privilege to be able to have a washer dryer on site. And, um, you know, when we were using the laundromat, we used to go in and fill eight washers and 16 dryers. So we would take over the entire laundromat. We were one of those people because we, you know, we, we like to do our laundry in a particular way and it was very expensive. Um, but I kept doing that same sort of usage in terms of the laundry, but only with one washer and one dryer. So I was saving everything until the weekend. And then I was doing eight, 10 loads all day long, Saturday and Sunday. And it's just, you know, I would start to reach flow state on my writing or I'd start to reach flow state on journaling or, um, reading or, you know, fill in the blank of what I was doing. And then the dryer would go off and I'd have to go and switch over the laundry. And it just kept interrupting things. So what I looked at was, can I take that and spread it out? So I'm not spending all day doing it. So now I spread the washing out through the, throughout the week. I do a load on, you know, Tuesdays, Thursdays, Saturdays, and Sundays. So, you know, it's a little, it lessens the amount of work that I'm doing on the weekends and I'm not getting interrupted all the time. But that's just one way of kind of like looking at the chores and looking at the flow of the chores so that I can free up time so that I, can kind of get into that flow state of, of the work that I enjoy of my self care, of my journaling, of my blogging, all of the things that I want to do outside of work. Um, so that's, that's super important to me, um, is, is making that time. I, so in terms of scheduling time for things, um, I find I don't, schedule my hobbies. Um, but now that I'm looking at, I'm kind of thinking about, I tend to do things on the same day and time every week. So even though I'm not physically plugging it into my calendar, I'm definitely saying, okay, so Saturday is for recording podcasts and, um, you know, Saturday is also for doing gardening. Um, Saturday morning is for my cup of coffee and writing. Sunday is for writing. Uh, Sunday is also for gardening. Um, after work is for time. Well, obviously in the summer, I will be after work grilling. And that's a thing that I add into the things that are important to me. Um, I'll also be harvesting. You know, it's just sort of like there are things that happen and, and I don't know that I necessarily mentally or at the front of my brain schedule it. But I think in the back of my brain somewhere I'm unconsciously scheduling these things because they seem to happen on the same day, same time every week. Um, so yeah. Uh, what do you think? What, what are your thoughts? Anything that you want to pipe in with? No, it was, it was nice listening to you talk about like your, your process and you, you brought up when I, we were talking about like laundry and having like the privilege of like having a washer dryer, my mind totally like I, it's really, I don't have one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it made me kind of think about this whole like making time and finding time. And there's, yes, you can do all your laundry in a matter of like two hours at the laundromat because you're mm-hmm. using multiple machines, but it's like the time and the money that that costs. Um, and the fact that you got to like lug laundry around and, and so it, that's where my mind was just now. Um, yeah. Of consciousness, but also just privilege. I think, you know, I see in our notes, you're going to talk about that. Um, this privilege of, you know, you and I both, we don't have children. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that is also a big thing. I think if I were to have a child and have to kind of do the, I'm the, I'm the home person. My wife leaves to, to go to work. And so, thinking about how I'd manage that, you know? Mm. And and I thought about that a little bit when I was thinking about this topic and I guess where I am speaking from, because not, you know, not having children or being able to have a job where I can work from home and not leave the house and being able to have 
you know, a job that is very flexible in when and where I can do things, um, you know, really kind of influenced how I feel about this, making time for doing the things we love and enjoy. Because mm-hmm. I think about the people that want to make time for things that they love and enjoy, but they simply can't. Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of contended with that a little bit. Like I had some complicated feelings about that. Like, and so I think it was really good to kind of recognize that privilege of, of being able to even have the time. Yeah. Huh. Well, you know, one of the things that's interesting is that I think about some of my hobbies, some of the things that I enjoy doing and where did I start that enjoyment of them mm-hmm. and growing up. So I, I, I've, I've talked about the fact that I grew up on a farm, mm-hmm. um, but also my parents have hobbies and they have a lot of hobbies at very similar like that. And, um, you know, my growing up, my mom taught me a lot of her hobbies. So, you know, I can hem my pants, alter my pants. I can tailor my clothing so that they fit better. Not that I always do. Um, but you know, that I know that because that was my mom's hobby. Um, I can also tear down an engine because that was not necessarily my dad's hobby, but one of the things that he did and they engaged all of us in that, um, or gardening. That's another thing. Like, and you know, sometimes my parents were sarcastic and funny about it. Oh, you, you want, you, would you like to eat? Oh, right, you don't right. want to garden, but would you like to eat? Because right. that is where all of your food is going to come from. If you don't garden, you will not eat. Um, and I don't think they ever would have actually starved us, but you know, the joking threat was there. Sure. Um, but I think also like part of the reason that I have so many hobbies and so many things that I'm interested in is because my parents involved me in all of their hobbies and they did that because they had to, so that they could engage in theirs. And there was always sort of a, well, if you don't want to do it, just sit quiet in the corner. And so in terms of like tearing down engines, I know how to do that, not necessarily because I was actively helping my father with it, but oftentimes someone needed to watch the kids. And sometimes the best place to do that, you know, if my mom was off working was, okay, well, you're going to come out into the garage with me and sit there quietly, or you're going to get me wrenches so that I don't have to get up every time. So, you know, there's, there's some aspect of that, but there is, you know, an enormous privilege in not having kids and having my own home. Um, and, and having access to the washer and dryer here, having access to my own property where I can say, you know, I've got a thousand square feet here that I'm going to turn into garden. And not all of that is usable square footage for gardening due to trees and buildings. But, you know, there's a, there's a fair amount of space and I'm, I'm able to engage in gardening. And I know a lot of people can't. And one of the things that I really wanted to do last year is so my city has green spaces mm-hmm. and um one of the original ideas of green spaces what was that they were created initially in the 1800s for people who lived in apartments to garden on um and they were also used as um group forage space for animals so if people had cows, pigs, chicken, not chickens necessarily, but goats, um, and things that could, you know, be on property together, there was a community space where they could have those animals and they could have their gardens. So sort of like a community garden, but bigger. Um, I think the, I have issues with our community garden in our area. People call the cops on, people using community garden all the time, but that is a whole other podcast. I'm going to stop myself from going on that, that tangent. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, the, the whole idea that we have space to garden, um, is, is an enormous amount of privilege. Um, and not, I know not everyone can engage in the same hobbies that I have. Um, so, you know, I think it is important for us to acknowledge our privilege of having the space, time, and ability to engage in these hobbies um, and having that and, you know, knowing that not everyone can because it's huge, right? Oh, it's totally huge. But, um, yeah, I... I um. 
But I think so. If I, I would just, I'm going to flip over to our our Facebook group because I did pose this question: like, how do you how do you find this time? How do you make this time? Um, and one of the things I think that came up a couple of times, um, I think Diana mentioned it, Lisa mentioned it, Karen, um, John, Paula. A lot of people mentioned the idea of being super kind to yourself. Um, because there are going to be times where you just can't accomplish things. And one of the things that I have learned as a therapist in my research and in my own life is that accomplishing small baby steps and single things and little things, um, is more important than making big accomplishments. Big strides are unnecessary. Take little tiny steps, little moments and celebrate those. Um, and, and just be kind to yourself. I mean, right now we are in one of the most weird messed up times, I think in American history and world history. I think that COVID has affected so many of us, but being kind and gentle with ourselves and letting ourselves say like, you know, I think two years ago, if I said I was sitting in front of the TV shutting my brain off, I would have felt incredibly guilty about that. Incredibly guilty. Like, you know, I should have been doing something. That's what my brain would have been saying. Every Like, if I sat down in front of the TV, I'm not accomplishing anything. I should really be accomplishing something. And that was like the internal chatter of my brain. And mm-hmm. allowing myself to have an hour or even two hours to just shut my brain off has actually been incredibly comforting in this difficult time. And, you know, I, I think I've talked about the fact that I'm in therapy and I think everyone, everyone could benefit from talking to someone who is not involved in your life other than being a sounding board for you or making you set goals, helping you set goals for your life. Um, and I'm not just saying that because I am a therapist. I, before I became a therapist, I engaged in therapy on and off throughout my life. And it's always been helpful. There's never been a time when I've engaged in therapy when I haven't found it helpful. I take that back. I did mm-hmm. walk out on a therapist. I think I've talked about it on the show. I had a guy um, who was incredibly offensive um, about LGBT issues and tried to relate to me like I was a man. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you'd react to that. Um, and I, at the end of the session, he's like, would you like to schedule another session? I was like, nope, not at all. Um, I was like, I'm, I am really good with this and I'm done. And I just walked out. Um, so yeah, you know, I mean, there are times when it hasn't been helpful, but also it made it very clear about, okay, so this is a time when, and a style of therapy that I'm not going to relate to, or, you know, maybe, maybe having that type of person as my therapist isn't going to work. There's always something to be learned, always something to be gained, even from failures, um, Mm -hmm. which I think has been, a mindset in terms of making times for things where I learn learning to learn things from failure rather than allowing myself to beat myself up for my failures. Um, and actively. Uh, so one of the things is every time I screw something up, uh-huh. I journal about it okay. and you can take that to a really bad place, right? Sitting down, I'm going to ruminate in my journal. I'm going to like, you know, beat myself up because I failed at something. So one of the things that I have been journaling about is a complicated issue that's been going on in my life. And I, it's been a, a, a both a failure and a learning experience. And I spent the first month after it, this thing initially occurred really beating myself up. And I was basically using my journal as a mind dump and not using it as a useful tool. And it, although I will say a mind dump is an excellent and very useful tool to allow you to kind of package things up so you can move on with your life and accomplish other things. Um, but I was also somewhat ruminating in there about like the things that I had done wrong. You know, that was, that was a large part about what I was writing about. And I kind of looked at it. And I was like, okay, I need to, and with, through the use of my therapist, she's like, so what are you doing to process this. I was like, well, I'm dumping it in my journal. She's like, yeah, but so you're just dumping it. You're not actually working on it and you need to work on it so you can move on from it. Um, so I started asking myself, what did I learn? 
what did I learn? I was also, you know, kind of, uh, we had a, a little therapy session group, group supervision with some of the interns and the interns were like, what are you doing? How are you helping yourself? Like, how do you process this? And it was like, well, okay, so let's, let's take this as a learning experience. Let's have, let's have a conversation about how do you take something that sucks at work and process it and turn it into something that is a learning experience. And that was huge. The idea of taking a massive failure and something that was really painful and difficult and saying, how do I learn from this experience and how do I move forward? Right. And so, you know, because I'm a nerd, I <laughs> went ahead and I did additional research. Um, and I've been reading two books that kind of look at mindset and brain plasticity. And one of them is The Upward Spiral which is about neuroplasticity, depression, and anxiety, and how to take little tiny baby steps and have it alter your mental state and, and improve your mental health. The other book is The Upside of Stress. There we go. Mm-hmm. Um, so The Upside of Stress kind of looks at the same thing in terms of changing your mindset, looking at things as learning experiences. And... I, both of those things have been super helpful at ha- solidifying how you change your perspective and you use failures as learning experiences. And that's been like the last month of doing that kind of work in my journal has been incredible um, and life altering in a way. You know, it's really changed my perspective. It's allowed me to feel better and move forward and kind of accomplish more of the goals in terms of work than I was accomplishing before. You know, for sure. I could, I could see how that is. And, you know, um, lots to think about there. Like I, I agree with you because it's very easy to focus on the negative or the bad or the what ifs or the should haves. Um, and, you know, for me, I'm, I'm the type of person that I am a ruminator and I'm also, um, I wouldn't say I'm a perfectionist to a fault, but I, I definitely like to believe that I am a good decision maker in moments of, um, intense moments. Let's put it at that. And, mm-hmm. and I, I had a similar kind of feeling when something kind of went, wonky i guess that's the right word for it um (laughs) i'm trying to get away from like ableist terms yeah um and uh and my placement last week and and they kind of like threw me for a loop and and i was really doing that judgment based kind of you know and i I was writing about it too because i needed to get it out Mm -hmm. but also for supervision and also my own personal therapy that's that's the joy of being in grad school i have a supervisor and then i have a therapist um, who sometimes turns into my supervisor and that's a weird construct, but <laughs> it's helpful. She, you know, she went to the same program I went to, so she gets it a little bit, but yeah, like it was, it was transformative when I was in supervision with two other classmates and I felt really ashamed of what had happened in a session with a client. Mm-hmm. And then my two classmates were like listening and my supervisor, you know, was like, but what did we learn? And yeah, it, it was true. Um, I did learn something, but also I was building it up to be something that it wasn't. And so I think that that is helpful. You know, when I'm thinking about mindset, um, it's very easy to catastrophize something when you are the center of the thing. Um, but it's helpful to have that outside kind of perspective and then to kind of use that as a tool, like, like you just said, like you kind of turned it into a learning moment for folks. And I don't want to use the re- word redemption because I don't feel like, you know, I know this issue. I don't feel like you need to redeem yourself, but like, it's almost like a doing good with something um, that you didn't no, feel good about. I, I think so. I, I'm going to go off of what you just said. I, I Redemptive, I think, is kind of a good word for it because okay. I, I okay not redemptive in terms of me or my actions sure uh, in that particular instance yeah um but it made the whole situation redemptive because i was able to use it as a learning experience both for myself 
and the interns. I was able to take this sure. this giant turd of a situation <sighs> and polish it up and yeah. and let yeah. let myself yeah. and the interns learn from this experience and be able to say, okay, when these people, when these five people go out into the world as therapists, they're going to have this situation that they've seen and experienced on a couple of different levels right. and be able to say, okay, I see this happening in my own practice and be able to address it much better than I think they would have without having that experience because I think it's something that happens to many therapists. Right. And also it was the perfect example of good modeling. Um, yeah, you could have easily been like, Oh, we're not going there. Like you're not going to do it. And you know, like totally shove that down. But I think it shows really kind of thoughtful, like stable and secure modeling for students that are, you know, as a student myself in a social work program, you know, I learn more from that than any other book or random talk any day. That's that lived experience. And so, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That was really stationary adjacent, <laughs> super stationary adjacent for us. Um, but to be fair, um, the whole process where that I went through in terms of journaling and in terms of like making it a learning experience for myself was done on paper. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to take it to the stationary place because it's been so kind of like outside the realm of stationary right now. Um, but in terms of making something a learning experience, the first thing that I did, and this is going back to our, um, episode on journaling for anxiety, um, or as the CBT journaling or cognitive behavioral therapy journaling. Um, I sat down and I wrote down each situation that occurred. Um, to the best of my memory. Okay. Here's what happened. Here's what happened next. Here's what happened next. This was my reaction to it. I did that classic CBT cognitive journaling, like boom, boom, boom. And I did it on a cheap, uh, legal pad, mm -hmm. um, with a pencil. And then I, you know, every situation that occurred, I wrote it down. And then I went back later after I was feeling a little more like calm about things. And I kind of looked at the things. Okay. This is how I was feeling at the time. This is what I could have done better. Um, here's what I can watch out for next time. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it, at that whole time I was using stationary that felt good to me because that's important. Like this is something I think we don't talk about and I'm going to take a couple of extra minutes to kind of talk about this because I think it's important in terms of stationary. We are drawn to stationary that feels good. We like stationary for particular reasons because it has a tactile feel. It has a memory feel. There are reasons we go for it. Like I love this Dom's fusion pencil because it's like writing with a silky smooth pen. Well, I mean, it is. it's a silky smooth pencil on, and especially on rough paper. Oh my God, it feels so good. It's like, it just glides over the page. And, you know, that, that I wasn't going to choose a hard, rough pencil for that. You know, I'm not, I'm going to go for the Dom's Fusion over a Viarco or a Baron Fig pencil because they have that grit. And that's not what I needed in that moment. Um, so I think there's like a self-soothing aspect to using nice stationery or stationery that we're, we're drawn to. Um, and I think that's an important aspect of, of stationary is that stationary is also self-care. Stationary is being kind to yourself because if it feels good, you're going to use it. You're going to process with it. And, and you know, it's journaling is a primary aspect of that for me. Um, and I've, uh, it's, we've gone from <laughs> making time for the things we love to, you know, going a little deeper on the things that we love. Um, but I think it's an important aspect of it. Um, and I did like uh, another Karen. Karen wrote in the comments of that thread on Facebook about doing 10-minute segments of things. And I think that goes back to those baby steps, little teeny tiny things that you do to get back into your enjoyment of things. And I think this pandemic has really made it hard for people to accept that baby steps are more important than big accomplishments. Anyway, um, any, any other thoughts? Cause I've taken this to a, <laughs> to a, to a place, uh, that's stationary adjacent, but I think I brought it back well. 
Yes. Um, I agree. <laughs> um, I honestly, I, I don't have any any thoughts. I think this actually might be a good spot to 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 pull it in. I don't know how long we've been recording, but I think um, I think I like ending on this note. All right, great. I agree. Um, so. I just want to take a moment to thank everyone for being supportive on the website and the face, uh, the Facebook group. I look forward to our conversations every week. It's the only reason between that and my, my, uh, gardening group and, uh, the recycle group that I'm in. The only reason I'm still on Facebook. It's the only value I find on Facebook is our group and some of the other groups. So. It's just amazing to get support from everyone. It's amazing to have people tap into that. The conversation is so rich and in-depth. I can't imagine giving that group up um, ever, and I don't know that I will. I might want to transfer it somewhere um, to mm-hmm. get away from Facebook, and I have issues with Facebook, but we've talked about that in the past. I'm not going to go there. Um, so I would encourage everyone to, if you love the show, and I if you're listening, I assume you do share a link to your favorite episode on your social media, whether that's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, what are the other ones now? There are tons of them. Um, just share a link. Let people know you love us, why you love us. You can uh, go on to one of your podcasting apps and leave us a review, whatever makes you happy. Um, you can find the show at rsvpstationarypodcast.com. And we have a Discord page. I'm never on Discord, by the way. I had to delete it off my laptop because it was taking up too much space. Huh. Uh, you can find me, Les, at ComfortableShoesStudio.com, Facebook at ComfortableShoesStudio, Instagram, and Twitter at Original L.C. Harper. Dade, where can people find you? You can find me at WeeklyPencil.com and on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The Weekly Pencil. All right. Thank you so much, Dade. Thank you. Why can't I remember the name of it? And if I sing it, it might help me. It's not going to help. Um, so I've been reading another book about a similar... Um, but now that we're in a in a sad bucket, let me think of something <laughs> exciting. Um, what else? There was one other thing I thought of. and uh, I don't know. Um, what's exciting? What's exciting in my world? No, I will not move on until I say something exciting. Um, oh, I, um, no, edit this out. This all is deliberation. Just make a note of what time it is. Um,